Panning the Globe to bring you the latest in Disney news. This is Mouse Planet Watch. We start off Mouse Planet Watch with the Walt Disney World update, brought to you by Small World Vacations, Mouse Planet's preferred travel provider. The big news this week is the announcement of two brand new developments at Walt Disney World in the northeast corner of the property on the current location of the Eagle Pines and Osprey Ridge Golf Courses. We will be having the construction of a brand new Four Seasons Resort. Uh, Four Seasons Hotels and Resorts are have signed a letter of intent with Walt Disney World to build a 450-room hotel on the site. It's also going to include uh, some timeshares and single and multifamily private vacation homes. That's right. Disney is actually going to sell off some of the land that will be used for private homes. They are in the process of de-annexing the land from the Reedy Creek Improvement District into Orange County. So Orange County will have jurisdiction over another small patch inside Walt Disney World property. But we will see what happens. The, the actual construction of all of this is going to take place on the Eagle Pines course uh, land. And the Osprey Ridge course will actually be enhanced and rebranded as a Four Seasons course. Uh, the golf courses are east of Fort Wilderness and north of the Port Orleans Riverside Resort. It's interesting to note that the Four Seasons Hotel and Resorts chain is in the midst of being sold to a group of three investors, Microsoft Chairman Bill Gates, current Four Seasons CEO, Isidore Sharp, and Prince Awalid bin Talal, the Saudi prince who is a major investor in Disney, and I believe he holds 17% of Euro Disney, which is the holding company for Disneyland Paris. And uh, it's uh, going to be interesting to see how this works out. Uh, we don't have any details on what the project is going to look like or anything like that yet. Uh, because it's at such an early stage, uh, they said that the reason that they made the announcement now was that they had to file the de-annexation paperwork with Orange County, and so I guess they deemed it necessary to control the announcement rather than having uh, a website sniff out the filing and start speculating about all sorts of things. While... Certainly, Four Seasons is a huge name in the ultra-luxury travel market. It's kind of disappointing that Disney feels that they can't reach that level of service on their own, since the company is known for their service. Monday night, someone asked Bob Iger about that at the Bear Stearns media conference, and he replied that there were a number of travelers in the ultra-luxury market that would possibly consider coming to Disney, but felt that there were no hotels at a sufficient level 
for them to go. And so by bringing in the Four Seasons name, they will attract the tourists who are looking for that sort of name when they travel. So we'll see. Between that and the Annie Leibovitz photos that have been inserted into high-end travel magazines, there's a big push to bring in the ultra-luxury guest to Walt Disney World, among other things, probably because the amount of money that they spend would probably be much higher than the people who would be staying in the ultra-value resorts. Speaking of which, the second new development at Walt Disney World is at the western edge of the property. Um, At the new entrance to the property from the western beltway, where the western beltway meets western way, right outside the official gateway to Walt Disney World, there will be a 450-acre development, which will be a combination of 4,000 to 5,000 low- to mid-rise value-priced hotel rooms, and then another 300,000 to 500,000 square feet of commercial space, which will be a shopping, dining, and retail center based around a retail retail village concept. Concept art for this new development is in Monday's park update on the site, if you'd like to go check that out. The next bit of news is that we are going to have to say Arrivederci to Alfredo's. In news that is going to make some people happy and some people not happy, as people tend to either love or hate the restaurant. I'm one of the not happy people. I'm one as well. Originale Alfredo di Roma Ristorante is going to be the first of the original table service restaurants at Epcot's World Showcase to disappear from the park. At the end of its current contract on August 31st, it's going to close and Disney will replace it with a new Italian restaurant concept. They're not releasing any details because they're still trying to finalize the deal with their new partner. But for those of us who really enjoy their real fettuccine Alfredo that you can't get at restaurants elsewhere, it's a big blow. It, it's, you can't get Alfredo like you get at Alfredo's anywhere else. Well, except for the other Alfredo's locations. Now, if you don't have a trip to Italy in your future to visit the original Alfredo's restaurant in Rome, you can head to New York City because there is an Alfredo's location in New York City at Rockefeller Center. And they're also planning another location for Las Vegas. So if you want your fettuccine Alfredo, you can go to New York and get it. But after August 31st, you won't be able to get it at Disney anymore. And we don't know who is coming in or when. There's been a lot of speculation on discussion forums about places like Olive Garden and Romano's Macaroni Grill. and That's not going to happen. It's going to be some Italian company. We just don't know what it's going to be yet. Oh, my gosh. The Olive Garden at Epcot. Could you imagine? Disney and Darden. 
no. No, it's not going to no. happen. No. You know, if that happened, then we might as well say goodbye. Say goodbye to Epcot. Well, then, say goodbye to Epcot, because then the Living Seas will have the lo- Red Lobster. and. <laughs> well, it is another Darden company. It is, it is. Yep, and, and then the uh, Garden Grill could be Smoky Bones. Uh, but uh, no, it's not going to happen. It's going to be some other Italian company. We just don't know what it's going to be yet. Okay, the next bit of news is uh, around a... <laughs> it's, it's a story that I probably wouldn't even be talking about, except it hit the headlines all over the place. Uh, early th- uh, last Thursday morning, there were a bunch of contractor, outside contractors working on the hippo pool at Disney's Animal Kingdom. And one of them accused another of cheating in a card game two weeks earlier. And the one that was accused of cheating poured gasoline on the first one and lit a lighter, threatening to set him on fire. And uh, after the after the accuser backed away, the guy dropped the lighter and grabbed a shovel and held it like a baseball bat and threatened to hit him. And finally, he was... Uh, I'm not, it's not really clear from what I've seen in the police reports and such whether he just stopped being belligerent or if the other two contractors on the site subdued him. But the sheriff's deputy came and arrested him. And uh, there, there are people saying, you know, if if Disney had hired their own divers rather than hiring an industrial diver company, an industrial diving company, that this wouldn't happen. And I don't know. I mean, first of all, you know, how many industrial divers does does Disney use? How many do they need to have on staff? Um, How often do they use them? Is it worth hiring an industrial diver? You know, they've used contractors for various things over time, and this certainly seems like something where you would bring in somebody with a specialty. I mean, it's middle-of-the-night work in an area away from guest areas. So, you know, a lot of people are making a big deal out of it. As I mean, yeah, it's a big deal that a guy tried to assault another guy, but I don't see that it's really big Disney news, per se. Yeah, you know... Disney's going to use subcontractors. They've used subcontractors since Disneyland. They're going to continue to use subcontractors. And after all, people are people, and some people are people you know, do dumb are things. People so why should it? No, no, no. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sometimes no people mode. do dumb things, and it's always going to happen. So. Yep. All right. But some real Disney news is that The Disney Vacation Club is going to open a satellite sales office and preview center away from the theme parks. At the Woodfield Mall in Schaumburg, Illinois, in Chicago's northwest suburbs, Disney's Doorway to Dreams is going to open over the summer. It's a 6,300-square-foot store with a uh, multimedia sales location, a full-scale replica of a two-bedroom model vacation home from the Animal Kingdom Villas, a children's play area, and, of course, a sales office. So, uh, if you're in the Chicago area and you're interested in seeing what a what one of the Animal Kingdom two-bedroom villas looks like, 
Or if you're in the Chicago area and you're interested in working for Disney, they're going to be hiring the cast members to staff the store soon. So you may want to uh, keep your eye on the papers for that. Well, you know, Mark, I'm actually planning a trip um, to go visit it when it opens, just to experience the fun of the Disney Vacation Club selling at new locations. It's kind of a hobby of mine, as you know. You're, you're kidding me, right? No, I'm actually not. Um, oh, God. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably be there at opening, if not within a couple weeks of it opening. Because I was at Disneyland the day they started the, selling DVC over there and seeing their sales demo office. I find it interesting. I think the ways that they sell DVC is cool. So I'm not that far away from from Chicago. So. Oh, man. All right. Maybe, I'll do, maybe we'll do like a podcast thing on it. Who knows? Whatever floats your boat. <laughs> All right. Come on, you can fly up. We can do it together. No. <laughs> okay, moving right along. Uh, next weekend for St. Patrick's Day, what better Irish location to celebrate than Raglan Road, Irish restaurant and pub? Uh, they've got a whole bunch of Irish entertainment, including U2 Elevation, which is supposedly the world's most popular U2 tribute band. Uh, the house band is having a CD launch party, and they also have a Celtic Pulse dance troupe performing. And then they are having a competition to have guests vote to select Raglan Road's Festival Queen. And with apologies to Nathan Rose, it's going to be called the Raglan Rose Competition. So I'm sorry, Nathan, but you've lost your nickname for the place to a competition. (laughs) And let's see. We finally got an opening date for the Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor Comedy Club. The club is scheduled to open on April 2nd, which is the same day that the Gran Fiesta Tour starring the Three Caballeros is going to open in Epcot's Mexico Pavilion. So, if you're going at the beginning of April, you may luck into the grand opening. If you're going at the end of this month, you may luck into soft openings. And it's just in time for my trip at the end of April. And to wrap up the Walt Disney World segment, there's a bit of movement going on. The conversion of the market house is apparently done, and the Arebus Brothers Crystal Arts location is now in there. And they're now going to be working on converting the former Erebus Brothers location to more seating for the Main Street Bakery. And in other move news, we're hearing a strong rumor that seems to indicate that there will be an additional location of the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique created in the store inside Cinderella Castle. And now that would cause the Art of Disney store to move to the current location of Uptown Jewelers. This is still at the rumor stage. I've, I haven't gotten a solid confirmation. I've gotten partial confirmation, but not a solid confirmation. So this is uh, out there as a possibility. So we'll, we'll have to see what happens with this one. But all of that information and more, believe it or not, there is more. Available online in this week's Walt Disney World Park Update. The Park Update comes to you each week at MousePlanet.com. 
And for more Walt Disney World news and information, check mouseplanet.com slash Walt Disney World. And now let's see what's happening on the other coast with Andrew Rich down at Mouse Planet Central. In three, two, one. Thanks, guys, and hey, howdy, hey, everyone. Andrew Rich here with your Mouse Planet Disneyland Resort update for the week of March 5th through 11th. The Spring 2007 Mouse Adventure event has now been officially announced for Sunday, April 29th. This event will take the classic Mouse Adventure format, where teams solve a collection of puzzle-based quests ranked in difficulty from A to E, and earn points for each correct quest. The team with the highest score wins. The event will encompass both Disneyland and Disney's California Adventure, plus the downtown Disney District, so a lot of walking. For the very first time, the event day sign-in and after-event awards will be held at the Paradise Pier Hotel Ballroom. Due to the ballroom's capacity limitation, registration for this event is strictly limited to 500 players. Registration will open March 7th and continue through April 19th or when we reach capacity, whichever comes first. So register your team as soon as possible to ensure your place. Once we are fully registered, we cannot make special exceptions or extend registrations. There will be no waiting list for this event. Register as soon as possible to ensure your team's spot in the event. Got that? Full details and registration information are available at mouseplanet.com slash mouseadventure. And you can connect with your fellow mouse adventurers or even find teammates on our Mousepad message board. Here at the Mouse Planet podcast, we'll be sure to bring you audio updates as we get closer to the event, and we might even have a few surprises coming up. In the fall of 2003, Walt Disney Imagineering unveiled Lucky the Dinosaur, an audio-animatronic character that roamed around DCA, accompanied by his human partner Chandler the Dinosaur Handler, for two weeks before finally making a home at Walt Disney World. At eight feet tall, Lucky was both huge and heavy, it was a dinosaur after all, and had to drag around a giant flower cart to accommodate all his electronic support systems. Longtime Mouse Planet readers may recall that when we posted video of Lucky, our web server was brought to its electronic knees by the slash dot effect. Well, what a difference a few years makes. During tests this past week, Disney Imagineers introduced their latest creation, the Muppet Mobile Labs. This two-wheeled contraption carries the animatronic figures of Dr. Bunsen Honeydew and Beaker, no human lab assistant required. The characters interact with the crowd, performing a series of experiments for delighted onlookers. And instead of slash-dotting Mouse Planet, we refer you to two videos on YouTube. The first offers a better vantage of the entire vehicle, although the characters experience technical difficulties midway through the video and eventually roll themselves off stage. In the second video, you can see how well the character of Dr. Honeydew, who is, spoiler, voiced by a live performer located off stage how well he can interact with guests. The YouTube video links are at mouseplanet.com slash Disneyland. Like their dinosaur predecessor, Dr. Honeydew and Beaker appeared only a short while at DCA. The one-week trial ended on Sunday. There's no official word if the characters will return to Anaheim or will follow Lucky to Walt Disney World, but I think you can guess. In other news, work is almost complete on the backside of Sleeping Beauty Castle, and Red Rocket's Pizza Port in Tomorrowland will be closed for the remainder of this week for renovations related to the soft drink dispensers. That's all for this week. For the latest Disneyland Resort news and information, check mouseplanet.com slash Disneyland. For the mouseplanet.com podcast, this is Andrew Rich at Mouse Planet Central. Mark and Mike, back to you. Thanks, Andrew. Mark, what do we have in the news about the Walt Disney Company itself? Well, we'll start it off with news that the Walt Disney Internet Group has made a deal with Macrovision Corporation 
for Macrovision to digitally distribute Disney-branded casual games in Europe and Australia via Macrovision's Games Network. Uh, the first set of games is already available on the network. It includes Pirates of the Caribbean Pinball, Little Mermaid Pinball, Aladdin Pinball, Stitches Blazing Lasers, and I'm sure one of your favorites, Mike, The Lion King Grubalicious. Yes, <laughs> I stay. I play for hours. It's amazing. <laughs> the games are available in multiple languages, including English, German, French, Italian, and Spanish. And they're going out through all of Macrovision's various channels. Now, in Disney news from my neck of the woods, in Albany, New York, the appellate division of the state Supreme Court has decided that Disney owes $1.3 million in back taxes. Now, the significance of this is that the court is arguing that the... The significant portion of this is that the state had argued that the income from Buena Vista home video sales should be included in the formula, whereas Disney is saying that federal law is prohibiting states from collecting income tax on a company whose only business activities in that state consist of soliciting orders for interstate sales. So the question comes down to, is Buena Vista home video a separate company from the other business that Disney does in the state, or is it one big corporate family? And the appellate division of the state Supreme Court apparently feels that it is all one and the same family, one and the same company. So we will have to wait and see. I'm sure that Disney will end up appealing this up, and it'll eventually get to the state court of appeals, and we'll see how... Uh, this goes. But in the meantime, it seems that the precedent is more important than the actual penalty because for $1.3 million in taxes, you would almost think that by the time they get done with all the legal fees and fighting this, it's going to be more than that anyway. But the precedent, if they lose the precedent, is going to cost them a ton of money in states throughout the country. So they really need to focus on winning this case to save more money in the long run. We'll have to see how this one comes out. Now, Disney's Buena Vista Video On Demand has made a deal with TVN Entertainment Corporation, which is a on-demand video corporation, to grant three-day viewing periods rather than the traditional one-day viewing period for video on demand for all sorts of Disney films. That's pretty interesting, Mark, that you said that. Although it's I don't it's not the same company, but LodgeNet just recently um signed on with Disney and you can do a twenty four hour pass of commercial free Disney Channel shows and movies for about eight dollars and ninety five cents um, I know. I believe all the new Sheratons are getting them because our property just got it. Hmm. Interesting. So there is Disney at my hotel. You know. So I'm. I'm happy about that. Hmm. But speaking of movies, Disney had a great week at the box office this week as Wild Hogs blew away the competition, raking in 39.7 million dollars over the weekend, nearly triple its nearest competition as Zodiac pulled in 13.4 million to be in second place. Bridge to Terabithia came in at number four, 
pulling in 8.9 million in its third weekend, bringing its total take so far to 58.2 million dollars. Those two films will lead the way for Disney at the box office for a couple more weeks until Miramax's The Lookout and Walt Disney Feature Animation's Meet the Robinsons both open on March 30th. Disney President and CEO Bob Iger spoke at the 20th Annual Bear Stearns Media Conference on Monday. A replay of the session will be available at Disney.com investors through 4 p.m. Pacific Time on March 19th. We'll have a direct link to the audio download in the show notes. In the meantime, we'll give you a little bit of the audio now, and we'll talk about Bob Iger's speech in a little more depth on next week's podcasts as we also wrap up the annual shareholder meeting. First, early on in the, in the speech, it was more of an interview than a speech, uh, but early on, a long-form answer to what his priorities were when he first took over the company, Bob Iger had this to say about the company's creativity and technology. Our creativity hasn't changed all that much. The only thing that's changing is the technology or the means that we move that creativity to the consumer. And then a little while later, he was asked why he made the Pixar deal, even though the price was high. So let's hear what he had to say on that. In one fell swoop, so to speak, we solved a huge problem, and that is, one, the relationship with Pixar and preserving it because they're talents at Pixar are just enormous, um, and we could use that talent to help fix Disney animation, which we're witnessing, uh, and then move forward together to take advantage of this sea change, I believe, in media uh, that is advantaging high-quality branded content. And then in addition to that, when you think about animation at Disney and all the leverage great animated products creates for us, meaning how you can leverage something that is successful across all of these platforms, it seemed like the right thing to do. Now, one interesting thing was that he was talking about online advertising and mentioning that he was disappointed that online advertisers are not as progressive as he would like them to be. And so let's take a listen to that. The advertising industry is a behind where it needs to be to tailor its messaging through these new platforms. I think there are great opportunities, but we may have to show them the way a little bit more. I'd say I'm a little disappointed at where things stand today because there's only a handful of advertisers that are stepping up in a way that we believe is really a value creating for them. I think there's a lot more that can happen. Hey, Mark, I have an idea. Yeah? If Disney wants to be progressive with the online advertising market, we have a podcast, new and hip. Well, you see, he was... He was talking about people advertising on the Disney.com site, not Disney doing the advertising. I know, I know. I realize that. But, you know, if they offered, we wouldn't say no. True. But no, and then the, the last clip we, we're going to play is uh, a little longer than the other clips, I think. And it's uh, his answer to the question that maybe 10 years down the road... What does he think people will have said about what happened during his tenure at the Walt Disney Company? People here at Disney, you want to think for high-quality family entertainment and experiences. Also a company that is admired for um, 
not only how responsible it is, but for being a good citizen of the world. I think it's important for us. One of the reasons why we're interested in things like healthy food and we're now focused on the environment. It's because we touch so many people in so many places. I think it's very important for our company to set an example. And I think that ultimately is good for our shareholders, too. Obviously, we want to be a company that has created great value for people, whether they work in our company or whether they are owners of our company. A highly responsible, high-quality company to be admired and known throughout the world. Modern, of course, would be nice and innovative, but I think that that all comes with the territory. So I think that was all quite interesting to hear his take on that. And again, since we're recording this Monday night, we didn't have a whole lot of time to analyze this. We will break it down a bit more for you next week in conjunction with our wrap-up of the Disney Annual Shareholder Meeting, which takes place this Thursday in New Orleans. The shareholder meeting is going to be webcast from the Disney Investors site, and it should be available from the same location that we're going to link you for the Bear Stearns audio. The shareholder meeting will be webcast live at 10 a.m., local New Orleans time, 11 a.m. on the East Coast, 8 a.m. on the West Coast. And we have no idea how long that's going to run yet. But it will also be available for a couple of weeks on rebroadcasts. Plus, of course, we'll have full coverage here on Mouse Planet Watch and on Mouse Station next week. So that'll wrap it up for the Mouse Planet Watch this week. Thanks, Mark. Let us know what you think of the news program. Email us at podcast at mouseplanet.com or call our toll-free feedback line at 1-866-939-2278. We'd like to thank West Coast correspondent Andrew Rich and audio engineer Stephen Ng. But thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week with more news on Mouse Planet Watch.